Welcome to MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Lowe. MTSU alumna Monique Richard has been hired as a spokesperson for the Academy of Dietitian for the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. The group is the world's largest organization of nutrition and dietetics practitioners, representing more than 112,000 professionals. Richard, a Johnson City, Tennessee native, also has a private practice that provides counseling, consulting, and communication services. We'll find out more about this outstanding graduate after this. Here are some of the headlines making news at mtsunews.com, the university's news and information website. Nothing less than the whole of you will do. Andrew Forstoffel communicated that message to incoming freshmen and new transfer students Sunday, August 21st at the 21st Annual MTSU Convocation at Murphy Center. Forstoffel, the author of Walking to Listen, challenged the students to embrace their vulnerabilities and insecurities because they can learn a great deal from even painful experiences. Walking to Listen describes his odyssey of self-discovery, sparked by his indecision about what to do after graduating from Middlebury College in Middlebury, Vermont in 2011. For one year, he walked 4,000 miles across the United States, encountering a vast diversity of individuals who shared their stories with him and prompted him to consider how people can come together despite their differences. And the Associate Dean of MTSU's University Honors College will help guide the direction of one of the country's most prestigious honor societies. Philip Phillips, a professor of English, was elected for a second time to serve on the board of directors of the Honor Society of Phi Kappa Phi during the group's recent convention in Orlando. His term will last from 2022 to 2024. Phillips, who is the immediate past president of the MTSU chapter, has been active in the society at both the local and national levels for years. For MTSU News at any time, go to mtsunews.com. Monique, welcome. Thanks for being with us. Thanks so much for having me. What drew you to dietetics as a discipline? So in 2005, I was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes and basically given a prescription of lots of medications and no direction. So although it runs prevalent in my family, I was very familiar with the disease, but not necessarily how to take care of myself because my parents uh, had a very well-managed diabetes, my grandmother, et cetera, et cetera. So I started reading books and understanding what carbohydrates were, how they interacted with blood sugar control and management. And a lot of the books were either by a registered dietitian nutritionist or mentioned seeing one and the importance of seeing one. My doctor never referred me to one. And so I said to myself, that is what I'm going to be. I'm going to sit on the other side of the table and empower someone and educate them to manage this disease. And I went back to school and have not looked back since. On a promotional video on the Academy website, you say you're into yoga. How do you integrate yoga into an overall approach to wellness and health? The fundamentals of yoga is really about mind-body connection and using our breath and different movements to connect. So it really, really spoke to me in a holistic way, simply telling your body, telling your mind, what's going on with each other, connecting them and connecting them through breath. So it's very, very easy, uh, a fit to go with nutrition and just lifestyle changes and modifications. Does 
the practice of yoga help you to further discipline your mind to uh, resist things that are not good for you, risky behaviors, risky foods, uh, risky anything. It really helps you practice grace, tolerance, and acceptance. So, so there's not really a, a restrictive component to it or a, you know, this is my like willpower. Uh, we talk a lot about willpower. It's not really that, but it is in a sense, refocusing and acceptance and understanding that when you want control of something that you also need to let go of something else, let go of expectations, let go of criticism of judgment. So it really, really helped form that understanding and that sense of peace and connection again, for me. A lot of people who complain about dieting or not dieting per se, but attempting to uh, alter one's diet in order to deal with a medical condition or whatever, say that the problem is it's too negative. There are so many knots associated with it. Don't eat this, don't eat that, etc. And they are looking for some kind of a more of a positive approach to controlling what one consumes in the way of food and drink. Absolutely. Positive psychology. I, my minor is in psychology, so I absolutely use positive reinforcement, uh, spin things to look at. It's not what you should take out of your diet. It's all the things that you can put in and all of the extras you can have and the abundance of more fruits and vegetables, bigger portions of certain things. So it absolutely can be flipped into really positive light and you do have more control than you think. It's just time to take back that control and empower yourself about how to do that. What has it been like so far to serve as a, a spokesperson for the Academy? What do your duties entail? It's been wonderful. So again, we're using that positivity to spread bigger messages to wider audiences, bigger platforms. So things like, you know, people are so confused about research and they're so cynical about things because it changes on a daily basis. We see it differently. We see it as research is constantly evolving. Therefore, we're constantly learning and improving and tweaking. And so it's wonderful to have that open dialogue with a bigger audience in many different media platforms. I love it. And how long have you had the position? So this is uh, new as of June, but I've been doing nutrition communication work for probably since uh, becoming a dietitian in 2013. I've written, done interviews, um, radio, TV, all kinds of different things like that. How do you balance your personal practice with your spokesperson responsibilities? Great question. Uh, you know, it's a daily practice. It's whatever you're passionate about, you're going to find time to do. But also if you find joy in it, it's going to be easy. So it's it's simply living my life the way that I try to counsel and coach others to do. Having a yoga practice on a regular basis, getting out and having some movement in fresh air, um, eating well, sleeping enough, all the things that I try to counsel and coach others to do. We'll take a break right here. We'll be right back. This is MTSU on the record. The Intercultural and Diversity Affairs Center helps to promote awareness and understanding of the wide variety of cultures represented at MTSU. The center provides information, referrals, and resources. 
Additionally, IDAC tries to make students from different cultures feel welcome and comfortable on campus so they can have every opportunity to fulfill their academic, social, and personal potential. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. MTSU's Jewish and Holocaust Studies minor offers undergraduate students a chance to study the culture and religion of the Jewish people and the Holocaust in an interdisciplinary program. Studies include history and culture, theology and philosophy, and the arts and social sciences. Courses tackle vital topics central to local and global awareness, including multiculturalism and the meanings of diversity, religious tolerance, and genocide. For the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Our guest is Monique Richard, who is a spokesperson for the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics and an MTSU alumna. What sorts of services does the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics perform for its members? Um, So we are both a consumer-driven but also a professional umbrella. So consumer-driven, we have eatright.org is their main website. You can find all kinds of information on general nutrition, where to find a registered dietitian nutritionist, um, what some newest research infant formula shortage information. If there's something up and coming in the news, there's always information there. And then for, for their members, which are typically most registered dietitian nutritionists, but we also have medical and healthcare professionals, dietetic interns, students, et cetera, there's going to be a eat right pro. And so that's all the professional information about how we keep our education up, uh, grant opportunities, research opportunities, um, career opportunities, all of those types of things as well. Let me get you to define some of your areas of expertise for a a general audience that might not be as familiar with the discipline. Uh, First of all, what is integrative and functional medicine? Yeah, so integrative and functional medicine is really, again, looking at a whole person-centered approach. So you're not bashing conventional medicine and saying that it's that it has no place, but you're saying maybe conventional medicine can be complemented by a more integrative approach. For example, acupuncture or Tai Chi or yoga. Um, and then a functional approach is more looking at the root cause of the problem. What is the dysfunction in the body causing the dis-ease? Looking at what is causing the diabetes, is it malfunction of beta cells or is it something deeper that we can actually kind of dig a little deeper and possibly we, we hate to say the word cure often, but maybe put in remission or really help fix and tweak. So it's both looking at how we tailor medicine and lifestyle modifications to a person, but also looking at the root cause and not just a band-aid fix of a pharmaceutical or a surgery or other methods. The practices that you listed there uh, used to be called alternative medicine and used to be associated, at least in the mind, with uh, the counterculture uh, the hippie movement, uh, that they really are part of the mainstream of American wellness today, aren't they? Correct. And there's a lot of great research to, to show the significant improvements that one can get using them. And we try to, alternative is kind of a, an obsolete term now because it's not one or the other. We're really finding that sometimes you do need both and benefit optimally from both. What are nutrigenomics? Nutrigenomics are going to look at 
your genome. So looking at your DNA and there's a couple little nuance definition, but basically nutrigenetics and nutrigenomics is looking at how you as an individual, for example, are sensitive to salt or not sensitive to salt that may then affect your blood pressure. Nutrigenomics is going to be a kind of a wider, broad spectrum about how your genes are going to interface with certain nutrients. For example, if you're wanting to prevent cancer that runs in your family and you focus on a, a chemical called sulforaphane that's in things like cruciferous vegetables, broccoli, cauliflower, you might help your cells prevent that hereditary component. So it's looking at your genes and either turning on or off uh, a cellular function, or it's looking at what your cells are reacting to. So you mean it is possible if it's done early enough to short circuit a genetic predisposition to one condition or another by controlling diet? Is that it correct? Is, it is absolutely possible to tweak the metabolic pathways that may be a precursor to a disease. Yes, that's what we are seeing. Uh, it, how much uh, is involved with determining uh, what to do? Is it blood test, DNA test? Uh, what types of procedures would an individual have to undergo to find out the facts? Yeah, great question. So the research is definitely still evolving here. So we know of certain SNPs or single nucleotide polymorphisms that can be identified with some of these pathways that we're describing. So you take a swab test, which is a DNA test. Um, it's pretty simple. There are some blood tests that you can do, but the one that I've worked with is a swab. And um, again, they run for certain SNPs and um, and then we kind of break it down from there. We look at patterns. You, you never look at just one thing. You look at patterns and kind of the overall picture. And regarding another one of your areas of expertise, supplements and vitamins, the public gets a lot of conflicting information about them, a lot of which comes from television commercials. Mm -hmm. And they might not be getting the true picture. So how do they figure out what they should or should not take? Yes. So that is the wild, wild west for sure. They're not regulated by the FDA. They're, they could possibly be harmful depending on the manufacturing pra practices and certain ingredients that, that come in there. But, you know, again, meeting with a registered dietitian nutritionist, consulting a pharmacist, um, really educating yourself about what you're taking, why, what you may need, and then, and then digging further about the manufacturer and those ingredients, because one is not uh, created the same, for sure. They're not all equal. You were named Outstanding Dietitian of the Year by uh, an international affiliate of the Academy. What constitutes excellence in dietetics? How do you define that? What, what is the bar? And is it, is it more about research or is it more about co effectively communicating uh, with the general public about healthy nutritional behaviors and uh, ways of consuming food. 
It's definitely a combination of all of the above. We are pride ourselves on being an evidence-based practice. So we're always going to look at what the research does tell us. Now, just because there's not established research doesn't mean we can't or won't recommend something that works for an individual. But we do pride ourselves on being evidence-based, that we're not going to just tell you something uh, because the masses kind of have this opinion. Science is not an opinion, right? It is fact. So that's the number one thing. So definitely relying on that research, that evidence, but also relaying that research into a relatable uh, way that someone could apply it to their life um, in practical, relatable ways. So it, it's melding both of those together. As someone who's speaking on behalf of the academy, do you sometimes find it difficult to find just the right way to cut through the fog of misinformation and miscommunication and uh, sometimes quite deliberate outright lying in order to sell a product? Yes, there's a lot of noise out there, just like with everything, but we bring integrity and civility and credibility with us wherever we go, whenever we can. And I think consistency is going to win out to be consistent with messaging, to be consistent with results and outcomes is really, really important. One of the biggest hypes going on right now is HGH or human growth hormone and whether or not it's safe to take that. I don't know if you could ever really even call it a supplement, and it's certainly not a vitamin. It's not a nutrient. Uh, what have you heard about that? There is some conflicting research. From what I understand, there has not been any research to find that it could cause harm necessarily, but I do believe that there is enough pause for Consideration, just again, understanding what you're buying, how it's made, and you have to ultimately decide what you feel comfortable taking into your body with what you know. Is nutrition and dietetics a, uh, a, a, a discipline in which you can safely say that certain general facts about nutrition apply to everyone across the board, or is it one in which the individual has to say, I have to listen to my own body, and I have to ultimately decide whether or not this works for me. If I hear that, say, the Mediterranean diet is the best diet going, that might not necessarily work for me, or it might have something in it to which I am allergic, or something that might exacerbate a pre-existing condition of mine. How do you deal with the yin and yang or the push and pull of that? Yes. So that's the beauty of integrative and functional medicine, really tailoring and personalizing nutrition to each person, understanding their predispositions, their genetics, uh, their preferences, their ability and access to certain food. Maybe they cannot buy organic that would benefit them. Um, so it is all of that looking at a very personalized individual way, but there are certain components for sure that across the, the human species, we all need, we all need enough fruits and vegetables. We all need clean water. Um, there are certain components that absolutely every human species does need. 
what what do nutritionists and dietitianists have to say and what can they do to help with the problem of food deserts, places in the country where perhaps in urban areas people don't have enough access to fresh fruits and vegetables and they have more access to the kind of processed foods that might not necessarily constitute a, a healthy diet and so that's what they buy. Yeah. So registered dietitian nutritionists work across the country in a variety of settings from the WIC community to um, your, your health departments, your elementary and high schools, um, in hospitals. We're not only boots on the ground across the country in those communities trying to work with those individuals, but we're also in DC working on a legislation and policy. The Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics has a DC office and is working on those exact things that you're naming. Access to food, clean water, um, the infant formula shortage that's happening right now is a big one. How to get dietitians reimbursed um, so that Medicare and things can cover it so that people can go see a dietitian. Um, so all of these are absolutely being addressed by both the professional and the profession. Does it uh, rally you at all that, that so much of what is covered by insurance is not preventative medicine? Making sure that you do the right things on the front end so that you won't have terrible health conditions on the back end. Yes, it's very frustrating to, to see how our healthcare system has been set up in some ways. And for a lot of my clients and patients, they come to me and they're all excited about getting started. They call their insurance company and they say, oh, you don't already have this condition, therefore preventative um, nutrition services are not covered. And I, I hear their frustration and sometimes they cannot pay out of pocket. Um, and we are working diligently to try to change that. It is a little bit backwards for sure. Um, and we've just got to prove that it's going to be beneficial in the front to front load it and save on the back end. And it's difficult to, to prove that, um, when, Everyone's looking at the bottom line, but um, we're working on it for sure. Wouldn't it be cost effective more so in the long run to prevent illness? Could Absolutely. that not help bring the overall cost of health care in this country down to have more right. emphasis on prevention? Absolutely. And there are areas in our profession that we have showed that. So we just had kind of a win in terms of malnutrition in hospitals, getting a service covered for malnutrition screening in hospitals, because we were able to show the cost effectiveness, but also the effectiveness of treating someone and preventing malnutrition so that they wouldn't be discharged and then come back because they weren't able to heal from an ulcer or it made their condition worse, etc. So we are seeing pockets of advantages in prevention, um, and I think that's going to gain some momentum for sure. Time for another break. We'll be right back. This is MTSU on the record. Tennessee's farm families contribute to our state's economy, nutrition, and culture. The Tennessee Century Farms Program at MTSU's Center for Historic Preservation acknowledges farms that have been in the same family at least 100 years. To date, the program has certified more than 1,500 farms. There's no cost to nominate a farm or be part of the program. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The Concrete Industry Management Program at MTSU fills the need for trained personnel who know concrete technology and techniques. 
our alumni go into the marketplace grounded in basic math and science and able to promote products or services related to the industry. Our participation in the academic common market ensures talented students in other states a chance to enroll on an in-state tuition basis. To find out more information on this or other university programs, visit mtsunews.com. We're talking with Monique Richard, who is an MTSU alumna, and she is also a spokesperson for the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. What advice would you have, Monique, for young people who are in college right now uh, pursuing the same kind of major that you did? What, uh, what does the job market look like when they graduate and what kinds of careers are out there for them? Sure. Like I alluded to previously, you can really do anything in terms of dietetics and nutrition. You can create your own job. There's sports dietitians, there's oncology dietitians dealing with cancer. There are, again, community dietitians, public health dietitians, researchers, professors. Really, you can the world truly is your oyster. So if there's something that you are seeing um, space for and you want to create it, absolutely. You can work in the restaurant industry. You can work in the manufacturing industry. You can create your own food or supplement. So I would really just encourage them to explore the possibilities within their own mind. Uh, What do they see as an opportunity or possibility, a problem to solve? And we need more diversity. We need more men in our profession and we need more diversity to get into those communities, um, to talk, to speak their language, to know more about cultural foods. Um, And so I would just really push that um, to anyone that's even thinking about it. Um, We need all of our heads together to really nourish everyone. And how would you say that your MTSU education contributed to your abilities and expertise as a professional? So the beauty of the undergraduate program at MTSU and especially Dr. Lisa Sheehan Smith, who was a great mentor and the chair of the department at the time, exploratory learning, experiential learning. Um, I was able to go to Egypt with one of my friends from there, and we did um, a lesson at an elementary school. And that really just catapulted my desire and love for international experiences and learning and global. And later on, I became the president of the international affiliate of the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. So really the experimental learning and openness to opportunities and possibilities at MTSU really catapulted um, where I am today. Monique Richard, who is a spokesperson for the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics and an MTSU graduate, got her master's at East Tennessee State University, but we won't begrudge her that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us on MTSU on the Record. We'll be right back. The mission of the June Anderson Center for Women and Non-Traditional Students is to provide education, advocacy, direct services, outreach, and programming for the MTSU campus and surrounding community on gender-related issues. The center also assists older students who are trying to balance work, college, and family. It also sponsors a monthly legal clinic, career brown bag series, book club, and a newsletter twice a year. For all of the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The American Democracy Project is a nonprofit initiative which strives for greater voter registration and civic participation among young people at MTSU and at campuses nationwide. Through encouragement from professors and peers, young adults are shown the value of being more active citizens in their community, their state, and their nation. 
ADP seeks to nurture programs that raise the campus community's level of engagement with society. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Jimmy Hart has the middle moment. MTSU alumna Amelia Bozeman has settled into her new role as the director of the Tennessee Small Business Development Center's Murfreesboro Service Center, located in the Rutherford County Chamber of Commerce and based within MTSU's Jones College of Business. Here's Bozeman on the center's many resources to help businesses large, small, and everything in between. My advice to um, a current or an aspiring business owner is to think of us as your own personal business coach, because that's what we we do. We have so many opportunities. We have live in-person trainings and, and, and classes. We also offer opportunities for Zoom classes, and then we are really beefing up our on-demand offerings so that that's a great way to learn some skills. Not everyone who starts a business went to business school. That's MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Logue. Thanks for listening. MTSU on the Record, a news and information program about Middle Tennessee State University, is produced by the university's Marketing and Communications Office, which is solely responsible for its content. Read more about MTSU at our website, mtsunews.com. Podcasts of this program are available at mtsunews.com and on iTunes.